Gardening talk back here at 2NURFM. Scotty Sharp is here. And uh, talk about your guest that will be joining us in the next uh, little bit, though. Who have you got again? Yeah, we've got uh, Bass Santarelli. He's going to be talking to us about the uh, – who's from the uh, Newcastle Bonsai Society. And they've got their show coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, really fantastic uh, initiative that they have. Uh, Newcastle Bonsai Society is a not-for-profit organisation. They have uh, meetings every month. So Bass is going to tell us about that. But – I'm going to be heading out there Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Well, not all three days, maybe just one, but uh, to see some bonsai. I love bonsai. Uh, It's just such an intricate and delicate uh, thing to do. I've tried it on my front veranda. Totally hopeless. No luck. No, no. Oh, the plant's still alive, but uh, you look, it, it does not look uh, like a bonsai should look, but I'm giving it a go best as possible. So will you be there signing autographs? I don't think I'll be doing that. Really? I, no, look, no one even. Don't you know who I am? Oh, <laughs> mate, I, look, I, who I, quoted I, that? I, I've heard that uh, your ma- mailman in around Carrington's got hunchback from carrying your fan mail around. Oh, I, I doubt that. I'm <laughs> lucky if uh, anything gets into my mailbox. <laughs> uh, no, come on, don't be, be modest, mate. I mean, you you would have a lot more fan mail if you just run hadn't run out of stamps. Absolutely, self-addressed envelopes. They always work a treat. But my mailbox at the moment, getting back to plants, is yeah. it is actually quite difficult to get in because the Chinese star jasmine on my front fence is looking an absolute treat. Uh, I'm just driving around town as well today, noticing how beautiful it looks. Those white flowers. I've lost my sense of smell, unfortunately. So uh, I've been told that my front fence smells very, very nice. Uh, bees are all around it, loving it. Uh, a really great plant. You can you just use it as a ground cover. You can just let it climb over the fence. You can keep it really heavily pruned like I do. Uh, so, yeah, a, a really fantastic plant. St- Chinese star jasmine, very, very drought tolerant, will grow in pots. Uh, councils use it a lot around, you know, in roundabouts, and it just looks like a, mm. a, an absolute treat at the moment. You've transplanted a, a plant or a tree, it's in a fair bit of shock. So the best thing to do is really just to give it heaps and heaps of water uh, and just try and get it up and running. Like you, the little bit of sea salt's fine for it. It's actually helping the root system um, spread back out again. So that's a great thing. But otherwise, you don't really give it any fertiliser, at least for, I would say, four to six months. Uh, okay. You just uh, keep on watering the plant. Uh, you can give it a light prune back as well to reduce some of that stress because, you know, you've cut back the root system. So uh, it can't support, you know, what it used to support up top. So if yep. you just give it a light prune back as well, that'll help the plant uh, keep on going. Luigi, thank you very much. Not a problem. Thanks for perfe- persevering with us, Luke. <laughs> all right. All the best there, Luke. Good afternoon, Vincent. You have a curl grub question. Yes. Good afternoon, Scott. Just a, a few questions about uh, curl grub. Yes, mate. Go away. <laughs> Not go away. Far away. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, the, the first uh, quick question I wanted to ask you is, I had a, a, a bag of um, garden soil and it was sitting around for oh, three to four weeks. Now, when I opened it up, um, uh, there was no visible holes in the package, packaging, etc. When I opened up the soil, there was at least 30 curl grubs inside. Oh. Is that a, is that a common or was it a common occurrence or is it just poor quality mix? Well, look, it, it could be that, and we look, we won't do any sort of, you know, no names, no pack drills, uh, but most, uh, you know, products like that are somewhat, you know, manures are heat treated um, to kill all the weed in them, potting mix, not so much. So it could just be that, uh, you know, a little black beetle, little Christmas beetles come along at some point in time, um, laid some eggs, and it's just ended up in the potting mix uh, when it's been bagged. So... Um, you, you know, generally they're filtered, but some eggs like that can, you know, get through. They're, um, you know, quite small. 
okay. and I, I think that's probably just what's happened. I would discard that mix. Don't use it because you just can't be sure that you've got them all um, yeah. out of there, unfortunately. Um, look, that's they, exactly what I think. And they do a massive amount of damage. In the garden, they're not so bad because, you know, plants are, you know, sort of adept. They move around a little bit more. But if you get a curl grub uh, infestation in a pot, uh, you know, those you'd almost kiss that plant goodbye because uh, it's, uh, you know, a restricted root system anyway. And the curl grubs just get in there and eat it away. Uh, it, it just finds it very hard to survive. Uh, and to, in fact, get rid of them out of there is also quite difficult. You end up almost damaging, you know, and killing the plant just trying to get... Uh, you know, rid of the cold grub and, uh, you know, cleaning out the, the potting mix again. So a very, very difficult thing uh, to keep under control. Okay, you've just answered my second question because that's exactly what I was going to ask about my, my pots, my hanging pots as well. Um, I, I thought it was only basically ground-based ground based pots. But um, I've actually found them in my hanging pots as well. Yeah, so look, no, the, the, the Christmas beetle just flies around, it, it lays its eggs, and, and wherever that is, that's where the cool grubs hatch out and off they go. Uh, look, if you, if you want to, you can uh, drench the uh, potty mix. Uh, you could use some carbaryl uh, or some malathon, and you just mix that up in a watering can and water it down so it drenches through the, the, uh, the potty mix and runs out of the pot. Uh, look, that's that's a pretty effective way of getting rid of it. Obviously, the best way is to you know sort of take it all apart and, and replace it. But uh, the drenching uh, you know can work quite well uh, and just get it all under control. Okay, I've got a product I'm looking at at the moment in my hand here. It's called Eco Neem. Yes, I, I look. You just have to read the instructions on that to see if Eco Neem's suitable for getting rid of curl grub. Uh, I'd give it a go. I, I, I don't think you know you're going to do any damage. Um, to the plant by using that, but you always look on the instructions of any chemicals that you've got to see, uh, you know, what it's actually registered for, the, the mixture rate that uh, is required. Uh, and so those instructions will have some, you know, fairly detailed information in there as, as to what to use it on. Yeah, sure. And my last point, or my last question, sorry, um, all the research that I've done, um, that's where I got the UK name, UK name, so the idea to buy that. But all the research I've done, was that there was no real suitable products. I've got a raised garden, bed, which I use for my vegetable patch, and I've also had them in there as well. And I've just gone through and dug them all out, okay, by hand. But there was, a, from what research I've done, there's no actual product that you can use for um, uh, pots that are going to be used for uh, consumption, human consumption for food, food goods. Yeah, look, that, that's an issue. And I, I think Econeem might be in the same boat as well um, as far as using it. Yeah, so you've got to watch out for using that. Uh, the other thing you find uh, when you're picking up uh, chemical uh, you know, products, you'll see that, that there's a withholding period on them. Um, and some of the, you know some chemicals have a very short withholding period, and this is before you can actually you know take it out and eat it. Um, and, and some have you know like a fourteen day withholding period. So again, it's, it really is best to jump along to your local garden centre, um, start having a look at uh, you know some packaging and, and ask some advice. The the people there will be able to help you out with it. Um, but yeah, definitely always uh, read those instructions and uh, use it accordingly. Gardening talk back with Scotty Sharpie is here, and uh, Scotty, your special guest. Uh, is ready to go, Bass Santorini. Uh, good afternoon, Bass. How you going, Mark? Oh, ready to go. And look, Scotty's ready to fire up with you this afternoon. So take it away, gents. Hey, Bass, you've got a fantastic event coming on this Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Can you tell us a little bit about it? About the event? Sure, can Scott. Hi, firstly. Uh, our show is on at 
uh, Club Macquarie over at uh, Bullaroo, Argentin, I guess it's called, starting 1pm Friday, Saturday from 9am to 8pm and Sunday from 9am to 4pm. It's the first time we've been there in quite a few years. Uh, up at the last 10 plus years we've been at Club Charlestown, but due to renovations there we've moved over to Club Macquarie. Uh, we haven't had a show for the last couple of years because of COVID, but now we're excited to be back, bigger and better than ever. Now, Bass, can you tell us about some of the the, uh, the plants that we might be seeing there? I've been doing some uh, research over the weekend, just uh, reading about all the yeah. different uh, bonsai styles that there are, and um, I, I'm just quite taken taken aback actually. And I've been uh, reading about uh, you know the, the shari, you know, where apparently it's the uh, the style that in, it shows the portrayal of a, a tree, you know, going through its life, broken branches and things. Will you be having yeah. you know those sort of plants there as well? Oh, yes, definitely. So the plants that are there, I think there's about 80 on, which will be on display that have been meticulously manicured, especially over the last few months to get them at their optimum um, condition for the show. So the shari you're referring to can be damaged to a tree from, it could be anything from the branch falling down in a storm to a lightning strike. And what happens, you get a, oh, I guess a vein or a section of the trunk is hit by the lightning, for example, and it ceases to grow. And so what we do, we apply a chemical to that to preserve it, and it makes it, it gives it a white colour. And the same on the end of branches, which we call gins. The same thing can happen where the branches died back or the tip has died back from um, nature, and, and we add the preservative to A, emphasise that look, and B, to preserve the timber itself. Oh, fantastic! Now, look, one of my other favourite styles, I guess, is the little, like little mini forests and little, you know, waterways and bridges and things. Will there be uh, that that style there as well? There'll be, there'll be some of that there as well, which is getting more to the Penjing or Chinese style. But yes, it's um, quite popular amongst uh, quite a few of our members to, to produce the landscape style, where you might have rivers, mountains, um, more than one tree in a pot, so to speak. So, yes, some of those will be on display. Uh, there'll be miniature ones that going down to about even uh, 10 centimetres high, up to massive trees, maybe a metre or so in height. Generally, the, the bigger ones have been collected from the wild, whereas the little ones are generally grown from seed or cuttings or what have you. And there'll be many different styles from windswept to upright ones, so formal trees, informal trees. Uh, trees with uh, split trunks, twin trunks, etc., etc. Now, so whatever sort of floats your boat will be there <laughs> in, in, on display. Fantastic. Now, Bass, the Newcastle Bonsai Society has been going since 1976. Yeah. Correct. Yep. I, as long as I have. Well, <laughs> I, I bet if someone planted a plant in 1976, it'd be looking absolutely spectacular by now. But can you tell us a little bit more about the uh, society and actually what happens, you know, you meet and, and the other things that occur? Yes. Happy to go through all that. So we, were formed, we formed in 1976, so we've been going uh, 46 years. Uh, originally, there were 30 members. We've been operating continuously ever since. We basically provide a, a friendly meeting place for people to enjoy the art of bonsai. We currently have about 130 members. We meet the 
second Saturday of the month at Warners Bay Girl Guides Hall, which is on the corner of Burton and Lamington Roads, Mount Hutton. Uh, we have a committee meeting at about 9.30am and the workshops start from about 10am. Uh, visitors are more than welcome to come along, have a sticky at what we do. There's senior tutors there to help people uh, with their trees if they want some help. Or people can just come along for a coffee and a chat. Uh, we have a, a theme for each workshop based on a, either a style of tree or a type of tree. So, for example, one month we might feature olives and members bring along their trees. We have a display section and we have a uh, formal demonstration by a qualified tutor who will speak to that style of tree. Uh, so we're a pretty friendly group. People are welcome. As I said, we supply morning tea and nibblies each month and generally just hopefully have a good time. Now, on the weekend, uh, I've noticed here on your fly that uh, the uh, children's workshop, uh, so they're going to be able to make a bonsai and take oh, yeah. that home for free. Is that correct? That is certainly correct. So the little kid is up to about the age of 12, but I'm sure older ones sneak in. We have a, what we call our kiddies corner, and so there'll be a selection of trees, a selection of pots that the kids can pick a tree and a pot put it together. Uh, usually it's Dave that helps them do a bit of wiring on the tree to give it a bit of shape. We, the kiddies can then cover it with a, so, uh, some decorative pebbles to cover the top of the soil and they get to take that home all free of charge. That's correct. Oh, that's fantastic. So look, just, yeah. just to, to go back over, Newcastle Bonsai Society's annual bonsai show, it's on this Friday starting at 1 o'clock, then again on Saturday starting at 9am, and again on yeah. Sunday 9 to 4. That's going on at uh, Club Macquarie out at uh, 458 Lake Road, Argentin. Uh, it's going to be a, over 70 to 80 um, amazing bonsais, uh, some demonstrations out there. Also a workshop for the kids to take a bonsai home free. Thank you very much, Bass. We really appreciate Thanks. talking to you, and I will see you out there probably on the Saturday. Oh, I, I can see Bass, a nice little tag team. You both signing autographs together, you and Scotty. <laughs> I don't, don't think it'll be me signing autographs. <laughs> it's not going to be me. I'm not bringing a special fountain pen either. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Thank you so much, Bass. It's good afternoon to Steve at Warner Space. Steve, what's happening with your veggie garden there, mate? Uh, very little, mate. I'm experimenting. I'm, uh, I'm trying to grow tomatoes, lettuce, basil, and mint. Um, and uh, I'm just wondering, uh, does it depend on the size of the garden as to how much size the fruit is or, you know, tomatoes? I've got some tomatoes coming up. Do, do you recommend using some fertiliser? Oh, look, yeah, definitely with tomatoes, so you need to fertilise them. They're such a quick-growing plant that, uh, you know, they're sucking all the, the goodness out of the soil. So a liquid fertiliser is the best thing uh, to use on tomatoes, Steve. So go get a, um, like, you know, the old Thrive or Flourish. Uh, you can get specific ones. It'll promote flowering on the plant and get it, you know, growing really well. Um, the other thing you might want to... The seaweed ones, look, they're great for the root system of the plant, but as far as feeding the flowers and, and the, you know, the leaf structure, um, you know, not so great, but they've got their, they've got their place, so they, you can certainly use them. But uh, I'd, I'd probably be using a bit more of an all-round fertiliser, a liquid fertiliser for your tomatoes. Now, mate, as far as your mint goes, always remember with mint that it goes a bit crazy. Uh, it'll spread out, it sends down lateral roots, so it's got a habit of taking over 
uh, you know, any garden bed um, that you put it in. So always just be aware of that. Um, yeah, God, I've just got a little, little tiny plant made about, you know, 10 inch square. Yep. And it's growing quite good in that pot plant. Okay, so just leave it there. It's as tough as nails um, and just keep on pruning it back, even if you're not using it, uh, because that keeps it nice and fresh. And as you know, with mint, it, uh, if you leave the leaves uh, you know, a little bit long, they'll start to go a bit hard, a little bit bitter. So you want to just keep on pruning it back you know, every couple of weeks just to keep it nice and fresh. Uh, a little bit of fertiliser too, or not doesn't need. Look, absolutely, you can give it some fertiliser if you want to, but for that you want something that's only going to promote the green leafy growth on the mint. Yeah. Um, but look, mate, I'd probably just leave it be. Um, okay. With your basil, uh, you need to, you know, you've got that in now, that's fantastic. doesn't like the colder months, it'll die back. Uh, again, with basil, um, use a... Uh, a fertiliser that's high in nitrogen. You don't want it to be flowering. And again, with basil, I reckon a way to stop it from flowering is to actually go out and prune it every now and again. Um, you know, like mint, it can get a bit hard and bitter as well. So um, try and, uh, you know, every couple of weeks, just go and give it a light prune, keep that uh, fresh new growth coming through and stop it from flowering. All right, best of luck with all of that uh, there, Steve. Good afternoon, Gwen. Have we got you there, Gwen? Yes, we have. All right, Gwen, you have a question. Oh, spiders, that's not good. The red spiders. Ah, okay, so it's a little mite that's on the azaleas. What's been happening, Gwen? Well, I would like to... I can't remember what I sprayed them with last time, and I just wanted to know what I could do it with now. Yeah, so look, they are a little mite. Uh, so you need to go along to your local garden centre and ask for a miticide of some sort. Uh, Roger is a miticide. It's a pretty harsh old chemical. So you might want to use, uh, you know, something that's a little bit softer than Roger. There are a whole lot of miticides out there. Uh, you can actually use uh, something like eco oil. Uh, it's a nice, safe, natural product to use, and it just uh, sort of spread it when it gets onto the uh, onto the mites. It just sort of glugs them up and chokes them up and you know it kills them eventually so that's a nice safe one to use if you've got a really really bad infestation though you do need to use a, a sort of a harder chemical but always start you know down low and then um, you know move up a little bit harder if if you need to so i definitely start with that eco oil um, your local garden center will be able to help you out with that um, is um, eco oil the same as white oil? Look, it is a little bit different. Uh, eco oil uses uh, tea tree products, uh, so it has a little bit of a different smell. It essentially does the you know the same sort of thing in that it just puts a coating on and uh, you know chokes out those little mites and stops them from sucking into the, the leaf of the plant and doing all that damage. All right, best of luck with all of that, Gwen. As we head to Hawk's Desk, g'day, Daryl. You've got some weeds under the trees there, Daryl. So I've got summer grass. It's a um, and it's pretty um, constant. I've, I've tried to dig some of it out, and it just um, by the time I get around to it again, it's a, it's come back again. Yes, some, summer grass can be a bit like that. Uh, look, I, I would go and grab a a product. Uh, it's a Paspalum and Nutgrass Killer. Just have a look on the instructions for, on, on one of those. It used to be called anti-pass, and now it's just called pass bailman nutgrass killer. Um, go and have a look at the instruction label for that. And I, I think you find, might find that it will do summer grass for you. So, right. yeah, see if that works for you. Um, what, what I um, I looked at, I checked on the computer, and there was one that said was good for 
summer grass, but it contained DSMA, which they said it um, had a an effect on the on you know like shrubs and uh, orange trees and different things like that. Yeah, look again. I always think um, you know you know start off as you know the lowest level you can. You know that yep. you don't want to be putting really harsh chemicals. Um, again, go along to your local garden centre. Um, you can just pick up the the chemical bottles. You can have a look that lists the uh, you know the weeds that they will kill. Uh, it also lists the, sort of the situation you can use them in. So if you've got, for instance, summer grass in a buffalo lawn, uh, you know certain chemicals you might not be able to use in those environments because it'll be harmful to the buffalo lawn as well. So always, uh, you know, for there's so many different chemicals out there to do you know the different jobs. Uh, always make sure you read those instructions and uh, and check out to, to see if. It's suitable for uh, the application you have. Gardening Talkback continuing for the next couple of minutes. Our last caller today, though, Alan at Murrayweather. G'day, Alan. Oh, g'day. Uh, I've got a number of remedials in pots down the uh, side of the house, but the pups seem to be taking over rather than the actual plant itself. I just wonder, because they haven't been repotted for years and years, <laughs> I'm just wondering... Uh, what should I do? Should I repot them or uh, cut the pups off or what? Bromeliad, Alan, uh, bromeliads do go a bit like that. Uh, you know, the, the the younger ones come along and start to take over from sort of the, the old fellas like me. Uh, so it, it is a good idea to give your bromeliads a bit of a clean out. Um, and just, you know, you can just cut or strip those um, bromeliad pups off the side. Um, you know, give it pull the whole thing out of the pot just because their root system's not very extensive anyway uh, and just give them a repot. If you want to, you can keep the original plant. Um, often when a bromeliad flowers, though, that's sort of it for it. So, it, um, you know, they will die a little bit like agaves as well and that's why you get the pups um, coming off the side. Um, I've got a, a pineapple at home on my front veranda which has pretty much done the same thing. They're a form of bromeliad and... Um, the original pineapple plant is it's it's gone off now, and the pups have more or less taken over, and they're getting ready to to fruit and flower again um, for this season. So yeah, look, definitely just pull pull them out. Uh, you can strip those little pups off, replant them into pots if you want to, and just uh, generally freshen up the uh, the plant. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, thanks very much. Okay. All right, Alan, best of luck with all of that. Appreciate your call and, indeed, everybody else who uh, made the uh, trip to the telephone today to give Scotty a call. However, there is always another way that you can go straight to the source. Uh, you can send Scotty an email, gardening at 2NURFM.com, and we've got that info up on our webpage as well. Scotty, some listener feedback has come in. Yes, and it's a great way to do it. Now, Jenny from Anabay Landcare, good afternoon. Jenny has sent us some fantastic photos and some questions about a banksia tree that they've uh, planted up that way. Uh, what happened is they put this this plant in, but uh, as they were doing it, she realised that it had this massive borer hole, and I've just been showing Mark the photos of it, and it looks uh, pretty, uh, sort of a, a really big wound where this borer has gone in. Now, um, Jenny... Um, it's pretty intense, isn't it? It's pretty intense, yeah. She's pretty savvy. She's grabbed a wire and actually sort of had a bit of a probe in the hole there, and she's speared said borer and fished it out. Uh, I'd love to see her out there doing some marlin fishing. It's a pretty... 
<laughs> pretty good. Or if there's a snake down the hole, she'll uh, be able to um, get that out as well. But she's done exactly the right thing. Um, look, now what I would do, uh, Jenny, to just try and stop that, uh, you know, any further bore or incursion is to grab some wood putty. Uh, you could also use some soap if you wanted to. Uh, but just some wood putty, uh, get it some pyrethrum as well and just sort of pour it down into the hole and let it soak down in through the plant and top it up again after an hour or so. And after you've done that, grab that wood putty and just, you know, sort of smear it over that, that big hole, over the bark that's been exposed and that will protect the plant uh, in an ongoing fashion. All right, best of luck with all of that. Scotty, that's it. We are done for another week. Gunning tool back, so uh, you're back next week. No more week off. You're back, all right? Okay, back to the uh, back to the grindstone. All right, uh, gardening at uh, 2NURFM.com if you'd like to send Scotty an email for Gardening Talkback at 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.